0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hey, welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the BlueWire podcast network. I'm Kyle Madison. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is the Sacramento Bee's Chris Biederman, and we're going to give our hottest 49ers takes, our six hottest 49ers takes going into the season. And I can't wait. I can't wait to not be as down the middle as possible. That's usually what we strive for on this podcast. But we're just going to go scorching hot take, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's dive in. Before we get into our hottest 49ers takes, because we usually kind of kick around when we do, peeling back the curtain a little bit, when we do, you know, players we're watching or players we're looking forward to or whatever, we usually go over our list beforehand to make sure we don't have repeats, to make sure, you know, we're kind of on the same page at the direction the bit's going. And today we have decided not to say our takes to each other. We're just going to say them and react live. So I'm really excited for that. But first, I need to shout out uh, Dr. Min and La Mirinda Pediatrics. Shout out uh, to Dr. Min. Big fan of the show. So Dan Dibley, who is the host of the show I produce, uh, just had a baby. Shout out to Dibs. Uh, baby Mila, And he hits me up and he goes, hey, uh, Mila's doctor is uh, a listener, not of Willard and Dibs, but of Candlestick Chronicles. It's like shout out, Doctor Min and La Mirinda Pediatrics. That's very cool. That's super appreciated. That's very cool. Anyways, yeah,
2: it's cool. It's really cool getting good feedback on the podcast. Um, it's been it, really he, fun hearing from people.
1: He did say Doctor Min listens. Didn't say whether they like the podcast or not. That's fair. So. Some people might. Some people <laughs> probably
2: a significant portion
1: of it just like hate listen. Hate us. listen. Yeah. Like <laughs> when I make a stupid joke, they're like, "God, I just want to." i get punched in the face at the cooperage event well no
2: we're a little too far into this but the next podcast we do we need to do a beating the heat bit
1: yeah like, it's just put, the, uh, it's put that put that to yeah yeah, yeah. That. yeah
2: put that in your in your notepad for for the next episode we do together. this heat
1: is cheeks by the way
2: <laughs> it sucks it really sucks well let's get to our takes because yeah like i hear from people and particularly one of my close friends uh another kyle i know shout out to kyle doherty He's like, man, your podcast is really good, but you you're you're kind of a fence rider, and you know, like my <laughs> buddy's like my my buddy tells me how it is, and I I, I appreciate that of him, and he, and he's right, I think. Like when you are a beat writer of a team, your goal is to be fair and balanced, and sometimes I try to do that, probably a little bit too much or to my detriment, I guess, mm-hmm. on the pod sometimes. Um. So I just thought. Let's let some takes fly. Let's get let's get a little let's get a little weird. This is and, great. Uh, and and you know, bring the flamethrower to to the podcast.
1: Okay, do you want to go first? Sure.
2: Okay. Um first one. Brandon Ayuk is going to lead the 49ers in receiving.
1: Okay. I'm going to grade that on a on a scale of like 1 to 5 um one to five candlesticks (laughs) i'm gonna give that like a two you
2: don't think that's that hot of a take
1: i don't like it's a little hot i'll give it two and a half
2: you have all pros at tight ends who was also the single season record holder for about a year um Mm -hmm. in yardage for a tight end and then you have a guy coming off one of the most unique seasons we've ever seen in Debo Samuel. And I just think it's going to be Brandon. Iyuk. I think Brandon Iyuk is going to because like, I was doing the math. If he, you know, through 17 games to get to 1400 yards, you need to average 82 yards a game. Mm-hmm. And I think Ayuk is a type of talent that can get to 1400 yards pretty easily. And if he puts it all together, I think, you know, he's he's not a big guy. He's six foot. He's 205. But the 33.5-inch arms mean that he can probably play more like a 6'3", 6'4 guy. The 1,400 yards is crazy. 1,400 yards. I think that's probably what it's going to take to lead the 49ers in receiving, though. Dude. Okay. Wow. Well... That's a lot of yards. I think Bray and I can have fourteen hundred yards. Maybe I'll I'll, okay. I'll put i I'll, I'll push back. I I regret saying fourteen hundred yards would, is what it would take, but I think, um,
1: I think he's he could have a fourteen hundred yard season. Man, that would be crazy, considering what I know. Last year, you know, he really came on in the in the second half over the last ten games, and and he finished with eight hundred and sixty-two yards or whatever it was. So A, I, I just uh is a lot. Like that's that's a ton of yards. 82 yards but, a game. Right. That's that's a ton. Um the 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 so the reason the reason the IU thing by itself, the fourteen hundred, that's that's a hot take. Okay. The reason I Great. don't Glad think I
2: saved myself with I I went <laughs> from mediocre to hot. Or actually well, here's the, here's a two to,
1: the, to hot. Okay, but let's Let's discuss this and maybe you can convince me otherwise. So you talk about George Kittle and Kittle plays what, 15 games this year, 14, 15 games. Sure. And I think a lot of what made him so successful with his receiving and same thing with Debo Samuel is their ability to create yards after the catch. And I'm not sure that Trey Lance is going to be able to, to put them in position to do that. And I think that we'll see uh, Nick Wagner, our favorite cast member, just wrote about this at ESPN, just how how Lance changes the offense, throwing the ball down the field. And that's somewhere that I think Brandon Ayuk is going to really be able to thrive. Like, I think we're going to get several highlights this year of Brandon Ayuk making defenders fall all over themselves uh, down the field. And we maybe don't see as many big plays off slants from Debo Samuel or big plays on, on throws over the middle to to George Kittle. And I think we do see those bigger plays away.
2: Yeah. I I think that's a big reason for it. I think another reason is that, you know, George Kittle's talked about this, like when he's catching a lot of passes, he's getting tackled. That's when his body takes the most punishment. Mm -hmm. And he's getting at a point in his career where the 49ers really need to just maximize his availability. Right. And I think some of that is going going to be taking a little bit of the onus off of him in the uh, in the pass catching game. And that's not that he's not like he's going to have a bad year or anything. But I just think, you know, like 800 yards for George Kittle seems like a pretty reasonable number. Yeah, Um, because I think, you know, the 2018 season, I don't think he's ever going to do that again. And I think he's so valuable to the 49ers in the running game and just what they want to do, because really like he's really valuable in the running game. The running game is the engine for the offense because so much of the misdirection, and the play action stuff obviously is based off of the effectiveness of the running game. And so with George Kittle being super instrumental in everything they do from that standpoint, I think he's too valuable to risk giving him eight to 10 targets a game and all of the wear and tear that potentially comes with that because, Mm -hmm. you know, he's a tight end and like, safeties are going to have to go at his legs and he's had foot issues and you know so he's at a point in his career where he's dealt with a lot of issues from a from a health perspective and and I just think the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan in particular has a has a good understanding that like we need to make sure we have this guy available for the the playoffs yeah I and so anyway that's with Debo I just think it's going to be hard for him to replicate that season because he's going to get so much attention from defensive coordinators that Mm -hmm. Ayuk is going to be the one that benefits from that. Yeah. Because people like if you're a defensive coordinator, like if you're Matt Eberflus, the Bears head coach this week, you're highlighting Debo. That's that's the first guy Mm -hmm. you're highlighting and saying every play he's on the field, we need to identify that guy. Yeah with George Kittle having been an all pro and being as good as he is in the passing game, I just think Ayuk's going to have a, like he's going to have a lot of favorable looks and with the chemistry that he's built with Trey Lance, with the fact that, you know, I think he is kind of upset still at the way last season went and he's use, using that as a positive motivating force this year. Um, and, you know, this is his third year. Like he's, he's got to be thinking about a contract at some point too. Right, like he's mm-hmm. because he's a first-round pick. The Niners don't have to do it um, really for another two years in, in terms of a new contract. But like a big year now would go a long way to getting him paid. And the it's just a confluence of factors that I think are pointing to Brandon Ayuk potentially having a really big season and fourteen hundred yards. I should have said fourteen hundred yards, not lead the Niners in receiving. I should have said fourteen hundred yards for Brandon Ayuk. Given the lot. nature of the exercise,
1: I'm taking the under on fourteen hundred. All right. That's well, so many. That's
2: fine. It's a hot, it's a, we're
1: yeah. doing hot takes. I know it. It's a lot of yards. <laughs> I think the offensive line's fine. Oh,
2: interesting.
1: I think by week three, it's going to be a non conversation. Like, I think it's fine. Is it going to be awesome? No. Are there going to be plays where protection breaks down inside and Lance has to bail? Yes. But like, that's the point of Trey Lance. And I think once you get defensive linemen with eye candy before the snap, with play action, with some of the stuff that you and I have talked about on this podcast, with um, you know jet sweeps and jet motions and the things that they can do off of that, with Samuel and iuke and and with Mitchell and and Lance's legs, I just think that defensive lines are not going to be able to just pin their ears back and take advantage of the interior of the offensive line in the way that it looked like in the preseason, because teams are just teeing off. Like there's no game planning. There's no misdirection. There's nothing crazy going on. It's just mono a mono. And in that instance, yeah, you don't probably love Aaron Banks and Jake Brendel and, and Spencer Burford, but within the scope of the offense and with Shanahan coaching around it, I think the offensive line is, it's fine. I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. I don't hate the take.
2: My one pushback would be like when things went bad in the fourth quarters of the NFC championship game in the Super Bowl, you could point squarely to the interior of the offensive line as being a pretty substantial issue. And based on I don't want to say based on talent, because it's not like Mike Person was Quentin Nelson, (laughs) but you just have guys who have no experience. Like, really, Mm -hmm. at any of those spots. Banks has zero experience. Jake Brendel hasn't played – hasn't started a game since, what, 2018? Mm -hmm. Um, And, obviously, Spencer Burford's a rookie. So, I think think it's a good take, particularly talking about Kyle Shanahan's ability to work around it. Um, But I do think at some point, like, if the Niners – if they stay healthy throughout the whole season and they do get to the playoffs – the offensive line is going to be the Achilles heel, but it
1: might be good enough. I don't hate the take. Yeah. I, I'm maybe Daniel Brunskill comes in and replaces one of Banks or Burford at some point, but I think for the most part, it's fine. Like the way, the way it's being talked about is because, and, and it was, it was a disaster against Houston. But just having Trent Williams in the game instead of Jalen Moore, who's coming back off a leg injury and starting a left tackle is going to help. I mentioned all the game planning stuff. Banks and Brendel and Burford playing together and just getting experience, I think, is going to help. Is It's this, like, oh, this is going to derail everything, and I don't think it's that dramatic. It's going to be fine. I like the take.
0: Thanks.
2: My one concern, uh, another concern would be, like, do they get enough push in the running game? Because the offense is really going to struggle if they don't run the ball well.
1: Yes. In my opinion. Yes, thousand percent.
2: And I don't know that I saw much in the preseason to feel like, and maybe it was because Trey Sermon was getting a lot of those runs with the first team offense. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't a feeling in the preseason like, oh man, running games really going to be rolling. But also, Elijah Mitchell didn't play at all. So, yeah. We'll see. Um, I like it. My second one... Defensive player of the year is going to be Nick Bosa. Okay. Nine of the last 11 defensive players of the year have been defensive ends or like pass rushers or defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. And I just think he's going to get to a different level this year. He's It's going to be like maximize Nick Bosa, potentially the best season of his career while he's still, you know, on the youngest side um he's in incredible shape he's that I don't know if there's a weakness to his game I don't know what it is and the fact that this is his fourth season the fact that he's four years into the league and we're like yeah I don't know what he's not good at maybe it's availability when you look at like the injury stuff but he's great against the run he's got potential to put up 20 sacks and if he's healthy and the 49ers like if the 49ers end up having end up just say they get like a top two seat in the NFC
1: mm-hmm.
2: the defense like it wouldn't be surprising at all. If the defense was like one of the two or three best in the league yes. and given all the high profile games the 49ers are going to have against elite quarterbacks like if Nick Bosa wrecks the Chiefs game and the Niners win or the Chargers game. Or the Broncos game, or either of the Rams games. Like, that's going to go a long way towards creating a narrative for Nick Bosa. And, like, all right, the Niners have the best defense. This guy has whatever, 18 sacks. They're a top seed in the NFC. Like, it's probably him. And I... Nick Bosa is going to get a new contract next summer. Mm-hmm. And if he gets a new contract on the back of a Defensive Player of the Year award, He's going to get 35 million bucks a year? 40?
1: Yes. Yeah,
2: 35 is probably your starting point. So, yeah, I think I think Nick Bosa is going to win defensive player of the year.
1: I like it. And I think to that point about the narrative, he's going to have a chance if the Niners hold the Bears to like 3 points. And Nick Bosa has like three or four sacks, which is on the table, by the way. He would, then Justin then it feels starts, like it's
2: sacked eight times in week one.
1: Right. It starts there. Like it starts with wow, you know, forget whatever Trey Lance does. The Niners held the Bears to three points. Nick Bosa had three or four sacks. And that's where it starts. I'm gonna piggyback off of one. I have I have several written down here, but you picking Bosa brought this to my mind and I and I soft I soft-launched uh, this take earlier in the pod, and I think I'm I'm standing firm on it now. This is going to be a better defense in 2019. And I think part of it has to do with the evolution of Nick Bosa to this point. He's not a rookie anymore. I know you're missing DeForest Buckner, but I think Eric Armstead playing inside full-time is going to be better. I think that Samson Abukam and Drake Jackson and all the defensive end there, ends they're able to throw out is going to be relentless. And Trevarius Ward in his prime is a really good player. Emmanuel Mosley is a, a quality NFL starter. I think who Hufanga is going to be a really good player. The linebacking core is the best one in the league. I think Jimmy Ward is underrated. Like this, <laughs> this defense is just loaded top to bottom. And I don't think any, re- there's no reason for me to think outside of, well, DeForest Buckner is not there anymore. Which is a, it's a deal for sure, but I think that they're so much deeper and better in other places that we're going to look at the end of this year and maybe it doesn't result in the Super Bowl run. But I think overall, this is going to be a better defense than what they had in 2019.
2: I like it. I think there's a very realistic path to that getting there, particularly because of the depth along the defensive line, like you mentioned. And you remember... You know, D Ford gets talked about or gets grouped into that 2019 defensive line. I think rightfully so, because it was kind of absurd when he was healthy, like how good they were, particularly on third right. down. It felt right. like every third and long the Niners were gonna get a sack. Yeah. Like it when D Ford was was healthy and cooking, but the hamstring injury kept him to playing just twenty percent of the snaps that season. Mm-hmm. And I think with Drake Jackson and Eric Armstead moving inside. And Samson Abukam, the way he played at the second half of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think they could match the number of sacks that they had that season. And I think they were, I, I'm not going to go back and look as I'm speaking, but I think they were third in the league.
1: In sacks. it stands out to me, but I'm checking right now. Yeah,
2: I, I definitely think they're capable of top five, top three sacks in the NFL. Particularly if Nick Bosa, I mean, if Nick Bosa got to 20, like, I don't, in 17 games, I don't think anybody would be surprised.
1: The 49ers that season finished sixth in sacks. Okay. So, tied for fifth. Tied for fifth. 48. Okay. Yeah. So that's it. I, I, I just, I think their defense is going to be out of control.
2: Okay. I'm, I'm fully on board. If they're healthy, I I mean, obviously health is is a big part of it. Jimmy Ward missing the first four games could potentially hurt. Yeah, I do think Talano Hufanga. Well, he might not have the same range as Jaquaski Tart might just make more plays, like just be around the ball
1: a little bit more, and yeah, just be like a better player. Just
2: <laughs> force fumbles and get interceptions. Um, yeah, I think there's a potential there, and there's also the potential that Aziz Alshire and Drake Greenlarge is significantly better.
1: Yeah, both um, in contractors, by the way.
2: Yeah. And Quan Alexander was like hurt. And I know they, they loved who he was emotionally and like as a team leader and all of that, but he wasn't, I didn't think Quan Alexander was, you know, like a, an amazing player when it just came to production. So yeah, he was fine. Yeah, he was fine. Um, okay. Good yeah. take. I mean, if, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. All right. Third and final one for me after the season, We're going to look back at the 2021 draft class and feel the best about Trey Lance going forward out of anyone else drafted in that class when it comes to the quarterbacks. Wow.
1: So more than
2: Trevor Lawrence. More than Trevor Lawrence, more than Zach Wilson, more than Justin Fields, more than Mac Jones. We will like where Trey Lance is at going into his third season in the NFL than those four other guys. And if you want to throw Kyle Trask in there, by all means.
1: What about Kellen Mond?
2: Yeah, (laughs) you'd toss him in the bucket for sure.
1: (laughs) Huh. Okay. That would be be significant because I think, to me going in, Trevor Lawrence is the one that stands to gain the most this season. He has a real head coach. Yeah. And decent receivers. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm getting Travis Etienne back. James Robinson's a good player. James Robinson, who's going to play week one, he tore his Achilles in December. He's playing in week one. Medicine. Crazy. Anyways, yeah, so Trevor Lawrence is the guy that that if I was picking those, is the guy I would pick. Yeah. But you you think, okay, so here's what, is it Lance and what the 49ers are doing offensively? Or are you anticipating that he's going to improve so much that by the end of this year, it's going to be like, okay, he's figured it out. The accuracy stuff doesn't matter because he's so effective with his legs and he's pushing the ball down the field.
2: It'll be it'll be a conversation where I feel better about Trey Lance and the 49ers going forward than I do about Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars offense going forward.
1: Hmm. Okay.
2: Like specific to like the situations, the quarterbacks themselves. Um, I'm just you know, like I've been of the mind that, you know, Trey Lance should have started as a rookie um, that, you know, he needed just as, as many reps as possible. And I know I do think the injury stuff that happened his rookie season was, was probably more of a factor than even still gets talked about mm-hmm. because there was one point in the year where Shanahan referenced it that had Trey Lance. I mean, it was after the Arizona game had Trey Lance not injured his knee Shane Ann was... He said, like, I wanted to see where he could have gone from there. Mm-hmm. And so, like, had Trey Lance, like, been healthy, does he start that Colts game that the 49ers ended up losing to...
1: Yeah, the week after the bye.
2: With Jimmy Garoppolo coming back, right? Like, you know, would Trey Lance have given him a better shot in that game? Because Garoppolo didn't play particularly well, and maybe Lance runs a little more. And, and
1: Garoppolo was still, was still banged up at that point. Exactly.
2: So, anyway it's mm-hmm. it's it's just everything we've been talking about right it's the kyle shanahan's ability to get guys open the fact that they're going to run the ball a lot and trey lance isn't going to have to throw 35 times a game um the supporting cast just like the way the offense moves you be I, i'm expecting the 49ers i think it's pretty clear that they're going to be a top i mean that i think they have a really good chance to win the division I'm not I'm not super thrilled. I wouldn't be super thrilled to bet on the Rams this season because of Matt Stafford's elbow. Um just it's hard to come back after winning a Super Bowl. All the talk about Sean McVay and going to Amazon, Aaron Donald talking about retirement, the fact that Andrew Whitworth did retire, um the fact they don't have Von Miller and Odell Beckham Jr. anymore who are obviously huge like I think if the, 40, the 49ers are going to win the division, a pretty good division, and potentially be one of the best teams in the NFC, and you will obviously take that situation with Trey Lance and the 49ers offense more than Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars, unless Lawrence just carries the Jaguars to the playoffs. Like, sure. Because there is that possibility that Lawrence is just like, nope, I'm just like a dude, like one of these dudes that we need to talk about with Justin Herbert and pat mahomes and josh allen like i'm that type of dude and the afc south is super winnable which i could see happening but i'm Mm -hmm. i would bet more on the jaguars being a year away um than the 49ers who i think the window's wide open right now
1: okay
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
1: Okay, um, speaking of wide-open windows, I think the 2022 draft class is going to go down as the best draft class of the John Lynch-Kyle Shanahan era. Okay. Yeah. All right. So it's... I like it's, it. It's... Again, we've not seen any of these guys play in the NFL, but... <laughs> I think greater caveat. But... I think Drake Jackson is going to be a really, really good player. And I think he's going to be super productive in year one. Not at the Alden Smith level, because Alden Smith was, as most people probably listen to this podcast remember, he was a situational pass rusher, sub package pass rusher in his first year. He didn't start any games. And I'm guessing Jackson will be in a similar role this year, but I still think he winds up with seven or eight sacks. Um, I think Ty Davis Price is going to have a moment at some point this year whether it's because of injury or whether it's because they give him a couple carries and he's really good. I think that he is going to snap the third, fourth round running back failure streak for Kyle Shanahan. (laughs) Samuel Womack is already starting at the nickel. And I just, he's dude, we talk about all the time, got that dog in him. And I think that that's super important at the nickel spot. Um, Danny Gray, whether he's an impact player this year or down the road, I think all the things coming out of camp just about the way he worked and the way Brandon IU specifically talked about, you know, Gray not making the same mistakes he was making and trying to kind of help him through his rookie year. He's going to be a really good player. And then I talked about the offensive line earlier. I think Spencer Burford is going to be good. The fact that they felt good enough about him to let Daniel Brunskill compete at center and just let Burford take all the first team right guard snaps. If he's a serviceable right guard, like just a, and starts for four years, like that's a, that's a huge win. So I think there's star potential with Jackson and Womack. I think Davis price could wind up being really good. And then I just talked about Danny gray having, could have that like Marquise Goodwin type of impact once he has a bigger role in the offense. And I think he will, because I don't know if the Niners will be able to pay Samuel and Iuke. So at some point, um, somebody else is going to step in. So it may not be right after this year, but I think eventually we're going to look at 2022 and go, damn, that was a really good class.
2: The Saying it's the best one of the Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch era is, is a scorching hot take. Because they don't have a first round pick in this class. Right.
1: And the 2019 class for what is Nick Bosa and uh Debo Samuel and Dre Greenlaw, a uh, 2019 class is really good. Yeah. Like excellent. Yep.
2: It's a good it I I like the take. It's perfect, 20- it's perfect but- for the exercise. Can I can I add to your take and offer something that somebody would say if they're trying to double down?
1: Yeah, so- let me real quick. Okay, we could be looking in twenty twenty three. You could have Drake Jackson starting, Ty Davis Price as the RB two, and splitting or, time or with Elijah one Mitchell. at that point. Right, depending on what happens with Elijah Mitchell, you have Sam Womack as a starting slot corner. You could have Danny Gray as your wide receiver two, and you have Spencer Burford as a starting right guard. Like that's that's crazy for a draft class where you don't have a first round pick. So you're
2: trading Debo or
1: Ayuk, one of those? two? Yeah, (laughs) i said if you can't if you can't pay both of them, (laughs)
2: Um, I was going to say my double down would be, well, if you're worried about the 49ers not having a first round pick in the 2022 draft, just wait till you see what they get from for Brock Purdy in a trade. (laughs)
1: Stop. (laughs) Um, What Jimmy Garoppolo fetches on the open market midseason? Oh, is that one your your takes? You think he's gone? Mid-season? No, no. You want to know my bonus take? Sure. Yeah. The bonus G- take. Let's you know what? It. I'm just going to say it. Sure. All right. The Jimmy Garoppolo thing's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's be real. I think, like, let's I think you're out. right. Let's, put, I on think our, you're let's right. put on our big boy pants and stop worrying about people's feelings. and know what the locker room going to say. And no, this has never happened before. There's a reason. The Chiefs didn't keep Alex Smith. Like, so what? Like, this is. Look, if Trey Lance stinks, which is on the table, like Trey Lance stinking is on the table right next to Trey Lance being awesome, okay? I don't know. I've, I've openly said I'm riding the fence on the Trey Lance thing. Whatever. But in the event that he stinks, they can salvage 2022 still by going to a guy that they've won with. Or if he gets hurt, they don't have to replicate 2018 or 2020. And if yeah. he's so bad that the veterans in the locker room are like, hey, Jimmy should start. The disaster is not Garoppolo being in the room. The disaster is that he's so bad that the veterans are like, God, this guy stinks. And that would be a problem whether it was Nate Sudfeld, Brock Purdy, or Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, this is just, I, I get, I, I've, I've punted on the idea that, like, oh, man, this is bad. Watch out. This is bad news. Teams don't just do this. I think it's a great idea. And shout out to the Niners for having the stones to pull the trigger. They're trusting their vibes, and I love the energy. I think it the way it happens, the way the way it
2: happened, I think, lends to it working, right? Because they I mean they were never going to do this, but Jimmy Garoppolo taking a six and a half like taking a pay cut all the way down to six and a half million is what allows this to happen. Because it's okay. You're very clearly the backup now. Yeah, at least going into the season, it's not like, all right, we're bringing back Jimmy on twenty four million, and now we have this guy who we're paying a ton, like kind of lording over the situation and sitting on the sideline while we wait and see if Trey Lance is good, like because of what that salary would have represented, the fact that they were they got lucky enough to where Garoppolo said, yeah, I'll come back for six and a half million. I think that's ultimately the biggest factor in this whole thing, because it very clearly delineates where things stand, and I think as much as the outside world talks about oh this is this is a serious hedge on Trey Lance well it's like sure it you can you could make that argument, but I also think that's overthinking it, and it was more pragmatic a decision than even that, like it's just you know if they think. Jimmy Garoppolo would have gone to Seattle. Why would they want a division opponent to upgrade their quarterback room to a way where they could be potentially be better and even beat you week two, right? Mm -hmm. Like the difference between Jimmy Garoppolo being on the Niners and Jimmy Garoppolo being on the Seahawks could be like three or four wins for the Seahawks. Yes. And it just makes sense to avoid having that scenario while also having potentially the best backup quarterback in the league.
1: They do have the best backup quarterback in the league. I'll confidently say that.
2: I haven't done the dive yet. I have. (laughs) Unless you're a big Jordan love guy. I haven't done the Desmond Ritter or Cody Pickett dives
1: yet. Well, that's on you, man. I mean, I know I need. It's also Kenny Pickett. Cody Pickett is a 49ers legend.
2: My apologies.
1: Yeah. You can understand why I made that mistake. (laughs) Totally anyways
2: I think I think it's a good take I think ultimately what it does and Mayoko made this point in the pod when he was on last week it just makes Kyle Shanahan's job more difficult but I don't necessarily see that as being a bad thing it's like all right I got to manage this situation like it really gets what ultimately where it gets problematic is if you get you know because you have it, it if you get a situation where one of the skill guys gets two catches and is like, you know, I should have, I should have had more. Like, our, I'm not getting enough looks, like that type of stuff.
1: One of the skill guys. I don't want to name a player, so let's just make up a name, Debo. We'll just make up a name, Debo. <laughs> just
2: throw it out there. <laughs> but like, that's where it's problematic. But if that's, that's a different issue, I think, than the quarterback situation. That's. You know, like you have an issue with that player, and that player should probably not be saying something like that publicly. Or like if there's an internal thing, you handle that. But I think that's something that's separate from the quarterback issue, even though it might come from the quarterback issue. If that makes any sense in the world.
1: Yeah, I just think, especially after listening to their press conferences, and we we did a whole whole episode on on their pressers and stuff, but it just. It, if Garoppolo was there to be a dick and was going to sit in the QB room and just be like, I'm not helping, like, you're on your own here, like, that doesn't help him next year. And all of this, and he talked about this some in his press here, all of this offseason, all of it is about next offseason and maximizing his value next offseason as a free agent and the best way he can do that is by being a excellent teammate by helping bring along trey lance winning if he has to get into games but preferably staying healthy all year sitting maybe getting a spot start and playing well but i just don't think it's going to be this huge issue where jimmy's like hey george how about Trey? He really sucked today, huh? Yeah, tell Kyle not, I should
2: play. It still blows my mind that Jimmy Garoppolo said, like, you know, when he was asked about becoming a backup and whatnot, and he basically said, like, you got to check your ego. And like, and you got to know who you are in this league. I was blo- like, you never hear anybody in the NFL say, you got to know who you are in this league when they're talking about themselves.
1: Okay, so hang on. Did you, I interpreted that at first as him being like, yeah, I'm a backup. What do you want? (laughs) The people at my radio station took it as him saying, I know I'm a starting caliber quarterback. I know that I can play, but if I got to be a backup this year, then so be it. That doesn't change the fact that I know I'm good but so
2: I interpreted as that was how he viewed the situation. Like, you know, I could go really like push to get a starting job somewhere, like push myself to a team, Mm -hmm. demand a release from the Niners and then go to the Seahawks and become the starter. Right. He said, I believe, or you have to know your place in this league. Like, no, I'm not at a spot where I can risk going somewhere this season and failing sure to, 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 to further your point about making everything about the following off season. Yeah. Because if Jimmy Garoppolo gets released, signs a one year deal for the Seahawks and they end up being a disaster, go five and 12. Yeah. Then Jimmy Garoppolo is a backup for the rest of his career. Correct. Right. But if he, if he just is a model citizen as a backup this year, you know, we just saw Mitch Trubisky be Josh Allen's backup and parlay that into the starting job at the Pittsburgh Steelers.
1: Mitch Trubisky. Who stinks? <laughs> like, like, like it? So do you know Jim- how much? Do you know how much money he made from the Steelers this year?
2: Mr. Trubisky,
1: two years, fourteen point three million with five and a quarter guaranteed, and he's their starting quarterback. It's crazy, and he got a starting job.
2: I thought had the Niners released Jimmy that the Steelers would have snuck in and, and got him. I really had that thought. It makes sense. Because I think they probably would have if he were healthy. I think Washington would have, and I think Pittsburgh would have. And maybe that, like the fact that multiple teams would have been interested would have led to the 49ers getting more than I think we initially thought. Had he been healthy
1: and everything had gone like people thought it would have in March. Yeah. And that's the other big thing to me is like, the other reason I think that this is a good idea is because the Niners didn't concoct this idea in February. They didn't say, hey, Jimmy, just have the surgery now. We're not going to trade you. Have the surgery. You're good. We're going to keep you around. Had this come out in you know April, it would have been a way bigger problem. Like, wow, they really are not April, but July, early July, where they just saw Lance and OTAs and were like, ugh. Like we can't go into training camp with just this guy, right, but the fact they tried to trade Garoppolo and I just I, a, I I firmly think it's the right thing to do.:
2: Yeah, I've come around on it. I initially thought it it would be weird and awkward, um and the more I thought about it and listened to the characters involved, talk about it, you know this this team has this team has been fine internally in the locker room as far as I can tell, while dealing with just a lot of weird stuff since Kyle Shanahan got there. And I think running it back with two quarterbacks that were already in the building last year who already have a clear understanding of each other. Right. It's like if if this were, say this were last year, say the Niners were going to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo after drafting Trey Lance, and were going to start Trey Lance as a rookie.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: that would be a lot more problematic to bring Jimmy back for somebody who was a rookie who hadn't played any NFL football. I know Trey Lance hasn't played much. That would be a really precarious situation, but the fact that it's like, all right, drafted Trey third overall gave him a year to marinate. Like it all kind of tracks. Yeah. Much more than that situation would have. So,
1: Yep. I didn't, I respect their gumption.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh Cooperage. Cooperage Brewing Company, September 16th. That's coming up. Two a week from Friday. Yeah. Two weeks away. A week from
2: Friday. It's gonna be really fun. Mayoko's gonna be there. Um, I guess we can say Cam Inman's gonna be there again.
1: I am so excited.
2: Cam Inman will be back. Cam's Cam is hang. a great hang, of course.
1: And he I'm gonna call I'm gonna say it. Cam's an elite hang. Cam's was, an elite hang. He was just dynamite at the yeah. last uh yeah at the last one and his, he just
2: has an uncanny ability to bounce back like yeah. there are some people who you go out with and like do dinner and drinks with and then you're like oh had a couple drinks didn't get the best night's sleep now i have to write a football game and cam is just a machine
1: dude just all
2: energy all the time yeah it's great it's great um tracy sandler will be there excellent friend of the pod of course um Damian barling sounds like sounds like Delo's in the building delo from delo and k c thirteen twenty in Sacramento um if you're in Sacramento, certainly you know who Damien Barling is if you're outside of Sacramento, you probably should know who Damien barling is um right. just all around excellent human, obviously an excellent radio host um, really
1: strong wedding efficient
2: <laughs> just an incredibly strong wedding efficient.
1: <laughs> If you're not sure who he is, he'll be the best dressed person at the event.
2: Yeah, he will. His his (laughs) his sneakers will be dover
1: than anyone else's in there. I mean, his sneaker game's out of control. His I just when I pick up my outfits in the morning, I'm like, would Damien wear this? (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Would he judge me for wearing it though? I hope not.
2: Like a lot of us wear like shirts and pants that like go well together. Damien will have the matching fit. Like the right. matching hoodie with the matching pants. And it's yeah, he's just an incredibly stylish, yes, human being. And very good at what he does. And is going to be an elite guest for us. So I'm I'm really wait. excited. I can't wait. Um, and others are to be determined, but that's I think that's a good list.
1: It's really good. And all of you. And everybody who comes hang out and
2: hangs out with us. I got like DMs on Instagram. A guy from Germany wants a beer
1: um come to the event dog <laughs> joking. I'm joking
2: um but yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be fun the beer is dropping soon ish i think it's being brewed as we speak i don't know if we have a firm date on it but i will keep everybody posted and Somebody... we, will, we will have a distribution list so um at the end of a pod we'll read out like where you can get it or we'll make it available on social or something
1: yeah we'll definitely make that available i felt really bad when people were like hey where do i get it Oh, well, no. you can
2: get you can get it from the Cooperage website. They oh, will ship right, an, anywhere right. within California, and just get yourself a case, make it worth it, and you can get Candlestick Chronicles. You can get all their other awesome beer. It's all very good.
1: Um, so I hope they have Keg Slayer. Yeah. One of one of my, if I'm making a list, it's one of my like six favorite beers. Keg Slayer is elite for sure.
2: And we should say that you should check out Rob Louder, our buddy at Striking Gold. The homie Rob Louder. The homie Rob Louder. Um, the extension of the coaching tree, the Niners Wire Tree. Uh, Rob Louder, he does an awesome job over there. Um, check out his podcast, Striking Gold, also on the
1: Blue Wire Podcast Network. Plugged in, smart dude, talking Niner football. You got to check it out.
2: If you get tired of us, you can keep make sure you like keep downloading the feed. Right. Like don't turn your downloads off if you get tired of us, but you can always hop over to Rob.
1: Yeah. Or listen to both. Yeah, listen to both. Consume but if, all if the you night
2: get night. tired of us, which why my which only request is if you if you get tired of us and want to stop listening to the Pod, just
1: keep the download. Do yeah.
2: And do not delete your five star review.
1: That would hurt. <laughs> Delete your one star review.
2: Yeah, delete delete anything that's not a five star review. pretty please.
1: Dan TX04259. Yeah, I know who you are. <laughs> 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 going to find you there. Yeah.
2: Alright.